the thing with the community is that if there are any obstacles that need resolving is I feel like we have the tools, we can resolve anything. Yeah. So any obstacle that comes up, we're a powerhouse, we're a brains trust, we just get the job done. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone. It's Bernadette back with another episode. And today I have Lucy on the call. And what we're going to be talking about is our next class project. So just to give a bit of backstory, I was thinking this was our second class project, but it is actually our third because the first one we did in Sydney with four partners. And the second one was last year, we did the one in Newcastle. And then, so now we're looking at the third one and each time I think we get better along the way. And I guess the goal is to improve as we go on the process. I think, is it worth starting with what is the value of doing a class project? Do you want to... class project for? Yeah, yeah. But also what's the benefit of it? Like we want to really make sure that we are that it is delivering value because otherwise if it's not really much point in doing it do you know what I mean I do yep yeah yep so yeah okay we'll start with who it's for and predominantly it's for wonder women our people women in our program who are have committed to their education and I guess the thing is we have three levels of wonder women now starting from our lowest level which is, I think, pretty achievable for most people to invest in right up to Diamond, which is where Lucy is. Do you have any, like... Yeah, so within the community of the School of Renovating and, and the program that you offer, we have a number of people who are very interested in renovating properties but just don't have the confidence to actually get out there and get going. And that's why they come to us, to the school, and... They want a hands-on experience in order to learn the practicalities of what's involved and get a real feel for how to overcome the obstacles that come that are involved with renovating. So even on retreat, there are a number of women who wanted to get involved so that they can actually be a part of it as well. So it's the ability to learn kind of through a, a course-like model where it's safe They can ask the questions. They can see how we overcome these obstacles that arise during the renovation process and then have the confidence to be able to adapt that in their own projects down the track. So it's really like a baptism by fire kind of experience, I guess, but in a safe way. Also for people who don't have the ability to renovate now, but they have the means to be involved as well. So it's more than just people who want to learn. It's actually people who just want to be a part of the community and a part of the project. What does it mean for you? For me? Yeah. I am actually really honoured to be asked to manage it because for me it's a major confidence boost that you trust me to be able to execute this project in Melbourne. So I'm very honoured that you thought of me to do it. For me personally, it means that I will be able to expand (coughs) on the tool set. So it'll be a new project that I haven't done before, probably on a scale that I haven't done before, but also will give me an opportunity to kind of, with, with the strategy that we're adopting, to 
duplicate and maximize a profit potential through duplication, if that makes sense. Yeah. I know we have talked about this in other forums, but not here. And that's probably important to elaborate on. So do you want to talk a bit about the, what the strategy is, what we're planning to do? Yep. Yep. So we have the main strategy that we talked about was buying a block of units or apartments that are in one block that we can renovate and strata and sell off individually. And that's how we make the profit potential. There's also the ability to do a structural renovation on a home, which would be dependent on how much we can raise through financing, we'll determine the strategy. But we've got to have a lot of fat in it. We've both been talking about it needs to have a lot of fat so that we're covering our risk and we're maximizing the ability to profit from it. Yeah, absolutely. We've done plenty of practice. So, and the thing is, the standard 100K renter, like 100 profit doesn't go very far and not that the whole intention is profit but yeah we want to make sure that there is enough fat in it for well yeah to warrant the amount of effort because it is a bit of a an undertaking to take on like 10 or 15 partners as opposed to just doing it with one or two and we want to involve as many people as we can because it's a unique experience and particularly for someone who's not had a lot of experience with renovating it really is valuable to be able to to have some skin in the game but not have the level of risk that you would normally have because that sits with us or me in particular and some kind of safeguarding this investment for people is through the due diligence process so We've got some great tools on our tool belt to help maximise the potential for profitability in this project. So uh, we've got John Lindemann that we can use. We've got great negotiators in our tool belt as well, great um, buyer's agents that will help protect us from buying the right property at the right time with the maximum profit potential. Absolutely. And, of course, when you've got... that's the flip side of it when you've got so many people invested in it you really want to go in at belt and braces to make sure Mm -hmm. and I think that I really love the whole unit block idea one because it's always been on my bucket list and two because there is more than one opportunity for profit and layering those opportunities as in obviously first the cosmetic plus reno secondly renovating the external Uh, exterior of the property like usually with an apartment you're stuck with what you get so having that opportunity is a great value add and the third thing is if it does require stratering and separating that's another opportunity because a whole block of apartments or units has a limited market and so just by separating them really opens up the funnel and makes them desirable to a larger cohort of people. And the other benefit is that some of those apartments will be tenanted at the time. So there is some income coming in whilst you're doing the other apartments that are vacant. So you can then possibly renovate the apartments. You can either move people from the unrenovated apartments into the renovated ones if you decide to do so, or you can sell them off as you go. And then use one apartment to sell the others off the plan as well. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's multiple ways you can keep it going, but you can still have that revenue stream coming in whilst you're doing a percentage of vacant apartments at the same time. Yeah. And I guess the fact that we've decided to do it in Melbourne this time is relevant and because one thing we do know, Melbourne, well, from the information we've received lately, that Melbourne as a whole, the market's not looking all that great for the foreseeable future. But for us, we don't really need the market to go up. We need it to be fairly static. Yeah. Have you got anything you want to say about that? Also an amazing time to buy. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. It's an amazing time to buy, which means it will only stay static or go up substantially. So it's not going to go, it's not going to drop anymore. So, yes, I think it'll be an amazing opportunity regardless. There's always a demand for apartments. There's always a demand for accommodation. So there's the ability to Airbnb, rent out or sell, depending on what strategy we decide to adopt when the time comes, and that will be based on the market. So there's no doubt that income will be coming in. It's just worst-case scenario, if market drops, we have a backup plan. I guess the thing that is is something that we need to navigate is the fact that the opportunities in the price point, we're looking at something around the 1.5 million mark by price and the opportunities for that mean that you have to be fairly flexible with area. So you can't say, I am going to do a project in Preston because the, the opportunities might be two or three years apart in the price point that we want. So that's a bit of a challenge. Yes. So finding finding something within that price point, you're not going to get as many apartments either, but that's fine. That's not an issue. As long as the fat is there and the profit potential is there, I think it, yeah, it's yeah. a no-brainer. It's interesting. I was talking to John Linderman and he was talking about another group who did something similar in Melbourne and he said that they, the first thing that happened, they bought a residential house but had an intention to convert it into part commercial, part residential. And the first thing that happened was that the house burnt down. <gasps> no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know whether it entirely burnt down, but I didn't really you get it. renovation. Pre, like within oh, a right. week of settling. And then the next thing, yeah, so I would imagine that would have changed the plan a bit. And then the next thing that happened is they basically had to woo the councillors to get them to approve what they were wanting to do because it was in a heritage overlay. And Mm -hmm. yes, so I, I guess the moral to that story is we have no intention of being that like gung-ho or brave or whatever the thing is I think we really are focusing on bread and butter type properties so that we're not and like that would have been a great learning experience but I think that we want our learnings to be not quite as what's the word more than that (laughs) yeah yeah colorful yeah absolutely and I, that's a lot around our due diligence, making sure one, not being too creative with, like we can all be very resourceful and creative if we need to be, but setting yeah. out with a creative strategy 
I think is probably a little bit foolhardy, but yeah, so hopefully, well, not hopefully, we'll be doing everything we can to make sure that it's pretty plain sailing. Exactly. But, so Bernadette, can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. So speaking of the last class projects and, well, the two class projects that you've done before, with yes. the first one compared to the second one and the second one going on to this one, what are some lessons that you've learned through each project that have helped you fine-tune what to do moving forward in this one? So I think with the first one, I actually managed managed it in its entirety. It was five weeks. It was quick and pretty straightforward. So what were the learnings from that? So we bought that just after COVID struck. And I guess yeah. my main concern about that was, was that had it not been, had there not been this sort of query about whether the market was going to drop 40% or not, I probably would have done more, made more structural changes more around putting a second bathroom in it was an apartment bedroom. Um, yeah it was yeah. a no yeah it was two bedder yeah but it only had one bathroom with a powder room on the main bedroom which was big enough to turn into a an ensuite with yeah. a moving of a wall but I just decided given the rhetoric around the market it was really crazy to be going into an approval process that could have made the project drag out yeah. And so we got in, got out, got it done quickly. Uh, in hindsight, that was the market didn't drop and went up and it wasn't an issue. I think the main thing from that was I really wanted the next one to be a house because with a house you have so much more control. And that was our decision to go to Newcastle because we had a budget of about a million and we couldn't buy a house in Sydney for that. As we know, the Newcastle project was extremely challenging because of how Newcastle was affected by COVID. We had shutdowns, we couldn't get trades, and we like really did a great job considering. I once again was managing it, but I had to basically pull in the a team of our members to get that finished if I like doing it on my own and trying to run a business just wasn't working plus it was at a time when my mum was dying and so I made the decision that I needed to not be 100% managing the project that it we needed to go to that next level where someone else managed it yeah. and it yeah and so that was when that's probably been my biggest learning and because it needs to be an opportunity for you as well and so, yeah, I th personally, I think it's a win-win because it gives you the the capacity to be able to run the project and yeah, it yeah. means that I'm not wearing all the responsibility. The other yeah. decision I made was that I was not going to manage any of the documentation as in the books. The oh, the other problem was we were using a company to manage the joint venture and they just did not deliver so yeah, yeah. that was another nightmare and so what we've done this time is he asked our accountant to take to take responsibility for the basically the financial and legal management of it which I think is a Perfect. good move yeah because it's not our area of expertise and I think all we should be doing is making sure that the risk is managed and that the right person is taking responsibility for it. 
Yep. How do you feel yep. about that? Yeah, no, that feels great. I think we'll have the thing with the community is that if there are any obstacles that need resolving is that we have the tools that we need to resolve any. I feel like we have the tools. We can resolve anything. Yeah. So any yeah. obstacle that comes up, we're a powerhouse. We are a brain's trust. We just get the job done. Exactly. So, yeah, so it, I feel confident and comfortable because I know I have that insurance behind me, which yeah. makes it much easier to move forward to this next stage and, and lead this project. Yeah. The other thing that's important to talk about is, like, we've been doing joint ventures for quite a few years now and we've really changed the way we manage them considerably and one thing that I have learned along the way is that, like, the idea of doing a project as friends is a good idea, but you can't run one as a democracy. You absolutely need to have someone where the buck stops yep. because if you don't, there's got to be a driver, basically. And yep. so you and I have split that job. You're driving the project. I'm driving the the strategy but if you don't do that then you're at the risk of it losing momentum which can have a negative impact on the outcome. And I think in my experience with Freiburg the last class project yeah one thing that I noticed and correct me if you have a different opinion here is I think we gave people too much of a say in a lot of the aspects of the renovation so people were able yep. to express their opinion and that just caused a lot of confusion. Yeah. I think they did have the say, but at the end, in the end, we made the decision that was right for the project. And it was interesting because people wanted the say, but when it came to the crunch, they weren't there, basically. Yep. Um, so, and that's when I made the decision to have the people that were actually on site be the ones that actually helped us get it finished to help with the management of it because they turned up. You know how they say 90% of success is turning up? Yeah. And so, yeah, and I think as a JV participant, if you're just an investor, there is no requirement to be there. But if you want to get the most value out of it, you want to be there. You want to, when there are opportunities, there's working bees, you want to get there and get in because that's where you get, that's where the opportunity really lies for you. So those of us within the community who are not in Melbourne, they will yep. have the opportunity to partake in what we said, styling, well, we're going to do a styling <laughs> challenge. So that's yet to be decided. But one of the things that Brian, our accountant, said to us is, oh, why can't you do a, it's the same thing as the block, have teams? And I said, basically because it's a logistical nightmare and we need to maintain a control of the quality. Oh, However, but so much fun. <laughs> yeah, but then we thought, well, maybe we can run some styling challenges because yeah. I think what you find is if someone's invested in a project, they will, a lot of them will actually turn up on site at some stage. Mm -hmm. So if we had some sort of, we created a challenge where we had teams and yeah. they styled or whatever, style for sale well then we could yeah I well, think that Christina, would be Christina has to be on my team <laughs> you're not allowed to cherry pick your team members Lucy <laughs> I'll just pretty please put it out there <laughs> but yeah and because it is important that it, that we provide opportunities for 
our community to really engage and to have a bit of fun along the way because that's what keeps the bond strong. And Absolutely. it's those strong bonds that we really rely on when the chips are down. So, yeah, I would agree with that. No, you're right. I also loved when we presented or pitched the class project at Retreat, the amount of people that wanted to be involved in and have a role within the project, which is fantastic because it just means that it will give you and I the ability to delegate certain things because we already know how to do those things. We can delegate those and focus on the main objective and hopefully people can learn from that part of the process, depending it could be bookkeeping, contacting trades, scopes of works, whatever it may be. It will give them the opportunity to learn how to do that and build confidence as well. Absolutely. So that's a way of managing this project really well. Yeah, yeah. And so given that you're going to be on site, Mm-hmm. How do you feel, how are you going to manage, like, anyone wanting to come and have a look at the project? Because that will happen. Yeah, yep, yep. I am more than happy to have people on site. It will just need to be announced beforehand in case there's any dangers with having people on sites at certain times. So that is totally fine. We'll have working fees. We'll have days where we're painting or whatever we need. Or some people might have a day where they're, They want to be on site because they've got the day off and that is totally fine with me, but we'll just have to make sure that it's safe to do so from a liability standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's only one other thing that I wanted to mention as well. We are likely going to be doing like a YouTube channel. Awesome. And filming updates as we go on every step of the renovation so that we can maximise the learning potential from the project. So what I kind of had in mind was if we're doing a kitchen reno, we can record the kitchen reno, edit it, and have maybe classifications on each stage of the reno. So this is how you do a kitchen. This is how you do a bathroom. This is how you do the plaster, the floors, whatever, whatever it may be. And just record weekly updates and everything that we're doing as we go so that there's plenty of documentation as to what's happening but also we can pull bits out of all of the video that we take and create a whole channel on this is a kitchen renovation, this is a bathroom renovation. You know, those, awesome. those ways to really learn and you can refer back to it so that you understand each stage. Like I've got a neighbour a couple of doors down who's doing a bathroom renovation, never done it before. I just went over there this morning and just did the whole scopes of work for her and she was getting quotes for $40,000 for the bathroom. Um, yeah. We've got it to 20 just by managing it herself, right? So these are just things that you can learn as a student, being part of the project. I'm talking to the community that are listening now, not you personally, Benedict. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> but that, that um, people can learn through the process and then be able to duplicate it and have that step-by-step guide as well. Awesome. For when it comes time to do it themselves. It just it's just a confidence builder. Yeah. Absolutely. And awesome. a great investment. Yeah. So I guess what there is to say now is that is there have we got any more to discuss about the project and the structure? I think not the structure necessarily, but did you want to talk about the the backup option or are we just going to talk about the apartment concept? Well, 
I think we will just stick with the apartment because we'll try as hard as we can to, and I think we will be successful in finding the right property. Mm -hmm. If we find that we can't and we've got to pivot, then we'll come back to that, I think. We'll be doing reasonably regular updates on it so we can, yeah, we can revisit it then. Did you want to talk at all about the due diligence process? I wanted to talk about the 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 steps you know yeah. what's next so at the moment we are we're getting expressions of interest and I'll put a call out at the end of this session and we won't be actually looking for property until we've got the structure set up so once we've got all those expressions of interest one of the things that we're doing on this one which we didn't do in past in the past one, last one was we'll be getting an investment loan. And so we've been, that will mean that we'll probably have two people that perform that part of the process. We've got one, so we're just waiting to find the second person. Once we've done that, we will start the process of getting the legal structure set up. Because there's quite a few people in it and getting the from past experience getting all the documentation in place is a little bit time consuming we want to get that done first before we start looking for property once we get that all set up we'll send out applications to anyone that put in an expression of interest and we will seek formal application there will be a fee for that because and that money will fund the setup yep beautiful and then what the next step will be to start the property search. I think we, because there's limited number of properties that meet the criteria, initially we will do that ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've got, if we need a buyer's agents, I've got a few ideas about that are probably different to what we've done before. I won't go into the detail now, but once we've found the right, the property that we think is right, then we will need to do quite a bit of due diligence because normally if you're buying a property to flip, you would do your research in your target area before you buy the, before you even start looking for property. But because we have such a broad target area, we actually need to do that process afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's because gonna there's t- not much availability. So no. we have to kind of go where there is stock and then do the research. Yeah. So we may get some input on that because we've got other people's interests, not just our own. We may get some input from some of the our experts with that, just to ensure that we get the right property and that our our feasibility is sound. We may use, it just really depends on what we find. We may use a negotiator to purchase, probably will, and then move forward from there. Yeah. Have you got any more to add to that, Lucy? No, I think we've covered most of it. Do you think anyone needs to know about my experience or do you think? Oh, well, you may as well. Yes, let's do that. (laughs) Let's do the interview. (laughs) No, I'm just wondering if, like, because, I mean, people may not know me from a bar of soap, so it's yeah. like, well, what experience do I have to be able to manage this this renovation? Therefore, if we can instill a little, hopefully, a little bit of confidence based on my experience, that yeah. might, because not everybody knows who I am or I haven't met everybody before. Yep. This stage. How do you want me to do this? 
um, so how long have you been involved with us for a start? Ah, yep. So I joined the School of Renovating Community in 2017. So it's been a while. Um, after I did the, what was it called back then, 100K Reno? I think it was called the boot camp. Boot camp, yeah, that's yeah. it. So, and I did the boot camp in order to educate myself about renovating my PPOR at the time, my principal yep. place of residence. From that point, I learned so much through that renovation and fell in love with renovating. So I was able to purchase a property down on, at Safety Beach in the Mornington Peninsula that was in pretty good condition but just needed a bit of a freshen up. I think I spent about oh, 15000 freshening up that place. So not much, but it did have a very positive outcome. We held that for 18 months and then I sold it. I also sold my PPOR and purchased a property in Kyton in the Macedon Ranges in Victoria and renovated that property at the front and sub and subdividing the block so a micro development strategy there then I purchased a an apartment which was in a joint venture structure in Hawthorne East in Melbourne and that was a flip by flip sell however the market dropped in the time that that we were renovating it so we're holding it and it's now a successful Airbnb until the market picks up I also purchased my current PPOR in Surrey Hills in Victoria that I'm now working on as a renovation. So that's my reno history. And yep. I also have a website that you can see some before and afters on those properties as well, which hopefully we can put in the notes. Yeah, absolutely. Podcast. Awesome. Yeah. And I think the reason I think that you are a good candidate for this is because you have invested significantly in your education, you follow the process, you're committed to best practice and not just, yeah, because it's fine to be interested in the pretty, but you really need to adopt some principles around that, that manage the risk and make sure that you get the right outcome. And you've got great communication skills, which is 101 with renovating so and particularly a project of this type so yeah so I'm really excited that you're going to be the project manager I can't wait it's going to be great it's going to be stressful but it's going to be great <laughs> I think I don't think it will be as stressful as you think and I you do remember right. I'm going to be there occasionally well yes it, it's a joint thing so once I get back from Echuca we'll start meeting regularly to get this show on the road because I'm shortly going to be down two projects. So Darley wow, Street, that's amazing. Street finishes in two weeks. This one will be finished in about the same time. And yeah. so I will have a bit of bandwidth, which will be good. And yeah. so what basically what we will do is do another call out to make sure we've got every person's had an opportunity to apply to be involved in it. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, the application fee will be probably around $1,000. That'll probably give us enough money to manage the administration of the project. And yeah, so if you are listening to this podcast and you are a Wonder Woman and you that either a starter, a launchpad or a diamond, 
and you would like to be involved in the project, you'd like to be one of the partners, then just send an email to me or Lucy and we will send you out the details. We will do another information session shortly for anyone that's missed. I know a few people have asked if we're going to do another one and we will. Well, that'll probably be the first thing that we do when I get back, Lucy. And if you're not a Wonder Woman and you would like to be involved in the project, I'll just Yeah, as I said before, you don't need to be a diamond to be involved, although diamonds do have first preference. But I'm pretty sure that we'll be able to involve everyone who is interested. And just once again, shoot me an email and we'll have a quick chat and see whether that might be possible. Okay, so I think we've covered the topic adequately. Thanks again, Lucy, for being so willing to take this on. And I think the second half of the year is going to be very exciting. It's very exciting. And also, if anyone has any questions about the class project, they can also put it up on Facebook as well. Great. Good idea. In the She Renovates, either in Wonder Women Facebook group, if you're a member there, the School of Renovating Facebook group, or She Renovates, which is our private public Facebook group. So Mm -hmm. thanks so much, Lucy. Thank you, Mikey, once again for being behind the scenes. And I better get back to it. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.